This episode of Wheat Pete's Word is brought to you by DeKalb Seed from Bayer, the name you trust. For the 2023 season, there's an incredible 13 new corn hybrids, 9 new silage-ready hybrids, and 7 new soybean varieties. Good day and welcome to Wheat Beats Word here on Real Agriculture for Wednesday, November the 23rd on this episode of The Word. It's data day. Lots to talk about. Cool stuff galore. Going to talk nitrogen, going to talk cover crops, going to talk manure. Hopefully get through all that and we will touch hopefully on fungicides on soybeans and planting wheat but probably Eh, we might end up saving that for next week's episode. Let's go. First off, gonna go back on safety to begin with. Wow. At 4720 John tweeting out just a scary, scary situation in his shop with his three sons aged five, 10, and 12. And so good for those boys to spend all day in the shop helping dad. They're cleaning up. Man, John, would you please come and clean up my shop? Oh my gosh, there's so much to do there. But they're running the forklift to pick things up and move them over and put them down and reorganize and, you know, all day off and on running that propane-powered forklift. And about 6 o'clock, I think the youngest boy was, he started to get really tired. And Dad says, ah, well, he's just worked all day with us, that's why. And they go in for supper, and, and meanwhile, they get in for supper, and, and now the 10-year-old has got a headache, and by 8 p.m., they are all in the vehicle, headed as fast as they can for the hospital, because carbon monoxide poisoning from the forklift running in the shop through the day, and his comment was, man... I'm going to put a carbon monoxide detector in my shop. And yes, I mean, gosh, in Ontario, it is law that you have to have a carbon monoxide detector in your home on every floor so that we don't die from it's such a silent killer. Never thought about it in a farm shop, but wow, John, absolutely everybody, spend the 30 bucks or whatever it is, get that carbon monoxide detector into your shop because it could easily save somebody's life. Just That's just a wow. Meanwhile, still on the safety front, Dungannon Dan tweeting out a great picture, his living cover crop. Now, in Ontario, we've had snow. You have in Western Canada as well. We haven't had tons of snow, but we've had wind. And you get this ground drifting across highways. And man, it is dangerous as heck because you're driving down bare pavement. And of course, if you're like Johnson, you're probably pushing the limits, going 90, 95 kilometers an hour. Generally, you don't get get a ticket for that. I know the speed limit's 80. Always in a bit of a hurry. And pavement is bare and dry. It's sunshine and life is good. And then you hit where that snow is blowing across the road and this ground drifting. And it's hard, like you can hardly see it. But the road is sheer ice and you're doing 95 kilometers an hour on sheer ice and you're going ah it's not good so really interesting dungan and dan 
Two pictures, one where he had the living cover crop, no snow on the road at all. That cover crop was trapping snow. It was stopping it from moving across the the pavement and creating those dangerous driving conditions. Uh, I think the Western guys know this. They do this all the time with stubble trying trying to trap that snow. Uh, we sometimes see the same thing with corn stalks in Ontario, but not anywhere close to what Dan was getting from his living cover crop. What was interesting is that he had some cover crop that he had sprayed off earlier. Now, I did challenge him a bit. Was it the same mix? Did it get planted the same date? Did it grow as long? There's many different factors there but boy where he had sprayed the cover crop earlier and strip tilled into it it was not doing the job it had actually laid down flat once once that lays down flat not going to stop any snow whatsoever but then woody tweeting out down he woody's down in this in the banana belt doesn't get much snow and down there when the wind blew he was getting soil erosion the sand was blowing so yep the conventional tillage guys you are not doing anything for road safety whatsoever uh, for those of us that try to keep some some stubble in the field it does help from a safety on the road standpoint anyway just really interesting as you look through that thought process meanwhile come spring dan's living cover crop will be dead but if you were into a heavy clay soil, would it keep that soil cold and wet? There's both sides of that discussion. Okay, I got to move on. Dang it, it's unbelievable. But already the Ontario Corn Committee, good for them. They have their data available. Go to gocorn.net and look. Tons of great information there. I will say that I'm I starting to push them to do fungicide sprayed trials as well as unsprayed trials. And so... Uh, apparently about 40% of the corn acres in Ontario got a fungicide in 2021. When you get to have that many acres sprayed with a fungicide, probably performance trials need, need to get sprayed and unsprayed as well. So both producers can look at the data that pertains to them the best. So that there's a the thought process, but wow, kudos to everybody in that on that committee we have the soybean trials up we have the cereal trials up we have the corn trials up and it's only the 23rd of november pretty darn impressive on the ontario ag conference front man get registered working with the three young agronomists doing the agronomy corner just amazing fun session and the other one is wow wheat like wow wheat unbelievable so the yen results i promised some yen results kudos to jeff crone from michigan just outstanding the highest yield in the yen competition 166 bushels per acre and also the highest percent of potential so we also look at you know what's the theoretical potential of jeff crone and i forget what it was 188 bushels i think something like that but he got 88 percent of his potential he had 20,500 pounds of biomass and 144 heads per square foot like wow baby that is wheat Andy Timmerman's coming in second at 150 bushels per acre, 79% of yield potential, and I believe it was a 93 or something like that a heads or 96 heads per square foot. So really great numbers, really showing the potential. And hey, the people in eastern Ontario, 
hats off to you as well. Kelsey Hill from Arnprior, Ontario at 144 bushels per acre. Aaron Steckley in Ohio, third in percent of potential at 79.03%. Uh, like, that's great. We have winners in Ontario. We have winners in Michigan. We have winners in Ohio. And that's the way it should be. So that's awesome. Get registered for the Ontario Ag Conference so you can watch these sessions. Wow, Wheat, Agronomy Corner, all of the different sessions. If you're a little confused, because it is a little confusing how our new hybrid situation or our new hybrid format is going to actually operate. We wrote up a nice press release explaining all that. It is on the Ontario Ag Conference website, ontarioagconference.ca. Just go there. You can read through that. If you have questions, leave it here on the Word. We will try to answer those. All right, moving on. Yes, harvest grinds on, and we're into snow conditions. Most people are done, but growers with lots of acres still have have corn out, plus the, the delay in harvest because of the back up at the ports and the fact that the ethanol plants maybe weren't all at 100% operating capacity. We take all that into effect. There's still corn in the field. A bit of a discussion around at what temperature can you run? And we've had this discussion on the word before. When I was farming back, you know, with the old cockshut to a 535 combine, with my white 8700 combine, we did lots of corn in the snow. We just part of back in the 80s, that's what you did. Minus 7 Celsius, that was all you needed. Now, a lot of growers talking minus 9 Celsius, but as we've discussed before, the bigger the combine, it's almost like the, the fan and the rotor create so much pressure within the unit that the bigger the unit it seems to take colder temperatures we have plugged combines even at minus 12 celsius so a bit combine specific but hopefully we get this crop out of the field and the weather has actually been reasonably decent from that standpoint not getting six feet of snow the way they did down in buffalo oh my gosh that would be awful gourd saying hey peter like wow i have I'm in an area, we were slow to black layer. We really had almost not true black layer, more of a brown layer. Boy, I am struggling, struggling, struggling to not have a lot of fines. The kernels just seem delicate. So I'm interested how many other people have experienced that. We're not seeing as much of that as I actually would have expected because I'm with Gord. A lot of areas didn't really black layer truly black layer it was more of a brown layer that's that pause in the grain fill period that we had in late september early october where it just wasn't moving seemed like then we didn't get a nice true black layer kernels didn't seem to have as much integrity as i would like but i haven't heard a lot of high fine levels so just throwing that out there on yields kevin from essex saying you know peter at the end of the day we hit our five-year average but we had fields from 118 bushels per acre to 202 bushels per acre it just shows you the the range that is out there meanwhile matt saying his average yield at 245 wow good for you matt that's awesome and On the other end of the spectrum, I've had three more reports of wheat out yielding corn. So where the wheat, or pardon me, where the corn is bad, the corn is bad. On the other hand, where the wheat was bad, it was bad as well as my good friend Adam from Bear, Elgin County, uh, saying to me, 
you know, from the yen competition, Adam was in it. He almost tore up his wheat. Man, Adam said they should have had a prize for the lowest yield in the yen for wheat yields because I probably would have won that one. A different Kevin saying, hey, Peter, you know, 47 crops. This is my 47th crop, an incredibly dry year. We still averaged over 200 bushels per acre. I guess Brookston clay soils just have more water holding capacity than we thought. I think you're bang on, Kevin. And the other, the agronomist, this Monday night we passed, John Hurd, Greg Stewart, Peter Johnson. We did a knowledge-sharing event for the Off-Calf program on the agronomists. And wow, if you get a chance, go there and listen. I think there's just so much fun we had that night, so much information there. Trying to understand nitrogen is really tough. I think we did a decent job. But the other thing that Kevin points out, he listened and he said, you know, you talk about nitrogen. 40 years ago, we applied 180 pounds of nitrogen and hoped to get 125 bushels per acre. Now, I'm still applying 180 pounds of nitrogen, but I'm getting over 200 bushels per acre. And that just shows you the the better nitrogen use efficiency that we've gotten to. It also shows you how our recommendations have changed, how we've learned over time that we don't need 1.2 bushels, or pardon me, pounds of nitrogen per bushel. We've really advanced that bar. I think that's important. On the knowledge sharing front, uh, Greg Stewart and Peter Johnson on December the 2nd will be in Ridgetown in the morning in and uh, Woodstock rather in the afternoon. We'll be doing a knowledge sharing event on nitrogen both of those days. You can find all of those details on the OFCAF website. Uh, you do have to take a knowledge sharing event to get the funding once you've been approved, but uh, there's just so much that comes into that and lots of fun and lots of great discussion. I think those are really valuable sessions. Get out to one if you can at all. We're not the only people doing them, by the way. There's there's other ones on that, that website. But John asking some really good questions about that. So John has both hog manure. He also has some dry beef manure. He says, okay, Peter, we farm hard clay in the Niagara Peninsula. We don't have that much dry beef manure. We use that to try to to remediate some of our poorer areas in the field, the eroded knolls, that kind of thing. But the liquid hog manure, so we're growing oats as a cover crop. And if I have oats as a cover crop and I put on liquid manure as the nitrogen source, how much of that nitrogen is left for the corn crop next year versus how much is in the oats? How does that work? I'm going to turbo till that next spring. I think that's a great question, John. So, the, And the answer really is the available nitrogen, the easily available nitrogen out of that manure, the oat crop is going to take that up. But a lot of that nitrogen put on in the fall because it's liquid manure, it's got a very low carbon to nitrogen ratio it's it's rapidly available a lot of that would get lost over the winter time anyway so the oat crop it's going to pick that nitrogen up the organic portion and eh, not much of that will become available likely that's going to become available to the corn crop next year so what proportion of that you'd have to look at the the ammonium nitrogen versus the total nitrogen the difference there is, is what you'd kind of look at but the other part of that is we tie it up in the oat crop. Well, when is that nitrogen in that oat crop actually going to become available to next year's corn crop? And so in actual fact, the oat crop typically 
is a negative to nitrogen on next year's corn crop because it's a very high carbon to nitrogen ratio and the maturity of the oat crop matters, no doubt about that. We've talked about that. But then the next question that John asks is, okay, so if I take that oat crop as baleage, how does that affect my nitrogen loss? Well, actually, you take the oat crop as baleage, you remove what's going to tie up nitrogen from next year's corn crop and you actually get a nitrogen credit almost because you don't have the oat crop tying up that nitrogen. Plus, you're going to turn that into manure and put it back on the field. So, so that's actually, it's a nitrogen loss from your field, but it comes back in the manure from a one-year standpoint, from a 2023 corn crop standpoint, you're actually ahead on nitrogen because you're not tying it up. His last question is, okay, so I get nitrogen, phosphorus, and potash uptake in that cover crop. Does that get returned if I just leave the cover crop in place? Is all of the, do all of those nutrients get returned? Do some of them get lost through the growth of the crop? That, that whole nutrient cycling thought process? No, you don't lose anything if it's picked up in the cover crop. If you get some runoff from the manure, then you can lose nutrients. But what gets picked up by the cover crop is into the, the nutrient cycle, and it's 100% good. When it becomes available is the real question, but you don't lose it. It's way better from that standpoint. So really cool stuff in my estimation. Hopefully we can continue this discussion with some of you at the knowledge sharing events because this fits right in with that whole concept of reducing emissions, making better use of your nitrogen. It's a really great discussion. We will link in the post uh, an article from Andrew McGuire from Washington State University that really sums up organic matter and the current understanding of organic matter. And at the end of the day... John, you're doing the right thing. The more biomass you can produce, the more organic matter you are going to make in the soil. Uh, That concept hasn't changed for the last hundred years. Hey, on the fungicide on soybean front, Paul Hermans from Pioneer starting a Twitter thread, just awesome, showing that growers want to plant wheat early so they might not spray with a fungicide. Uh, We'll have more discussion about that next week, but Emma Dealman, and I, I need some more data from Emma, she sent me some, and so we can advance your soybean harvest by five to nine days by desiccating soybeans. But I need to understand that data a little bit more before I give it all to you. And it it does take another application of a desiccant, which that's an added cost. Lots of different things to think about there, but a great discussion from that standpoint. More on that next week. And with that, I am out of time. That's it, that's all. On behalf of the team here at Real Agriculture, this is Wheat Pete with the word for Wednesday, November the 23rd. Keep the comments, the Twitter feeds, the questions all coming. I love it. And I will be back next week to have more fun. Talk to you then. Thank you for downloading this episode of the Wheat Pete's Word podcast. Check out the 2023 lineup of new DeKalb corn hybrids and soybean varieties. Find the one that's best for the unique growing conditions on your farm. DeKalb, a seed for every field, a seed for every season.